Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Jim Rickon. Jim is currently a scout for the Cleveland Indians. This is his 23rd year with the Cleveland Indians. He started out as a player in the minor leagues and just continued on as a coach. He's been a scout. He's been a coordinator. He's really done a lot of things in baseball on both sides, the player development side and the scouting side. So he really has a great great insight into what it what it's like working with players what it's like scouting players and so we get into a little bit of everything in this episode we talk about player development and Jim gives some great examples of of why it's important to not label players without having a lot of context because usually there's a reason why they act a certain way or do something a certain way and and he gives um, a great example of that in this episode we talk about from a scouting standpoint you know what exactly is he looking for as a scout that we have plenty of information out there in the world of of baseball today so you know what is it that they are actually looking for from a makeup standpoint and then lastly, we also get into, you know, what's missing in amateur baseball? What should we be focusing on at the lower levels to make sure that when they get up to the college and professional ranks, if they are afforded that opportunity, they're ready and they're not they're not far behind. So appreciate Jim coming on the show. Um, scouts have a, a crazy, crazy schedule, so I, I can't thank Jim enough for, for making the time to come on the podcast. This episode is brought to you by... Blast Motion. Blast Motion is, in my opinion, the best bang for your buck when it comes to baseball development tools. It's a sensor that you put on the end of your bat and it tracks your bat speed. It tracks whether you're swinging down or up on the ball, the attack angle, um, your on plane efficiency, so how early your barrel is getting on plane with the incoming pitch. Several MLB organizations use Blast Motion. It's by far the best bat sensor on the market today. If you head on over to BlastMotion.com and type in code PJB25, you'll receive $35 off. So normally it's $150. If you type in code PJB25, you'll receive $35 off. Ladies and gentlemen, here is my episode with Jim Rickon. All right, we are now live with Jim Rickon. Jim, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. So you're up in Cleveland right now. Uh, I assume the weather's getting pretty pretty good up there too. I know there was. I, I saw there was snowing a little bit out in uh, Colorado. Kind of got a couple of feet up there. What was the? Would you guys have a really bad winter this off season? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was worse than the last three. I would say it was. It was probably up there. <laughs> I mean, we had we had a couple dumps of snow. And it was really frigid. I mean, really cold. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was rougher than the last few. I should I, I definitely say. I mean, it's been nice, you know, lately. The last few days have been, you know, starting to warm up. And, and you're you're born and raised in that area. Born and raised. Born. And yeah. Raised. Yeah. Never yeah. lived anywhere else. No. Well, I mean, if you if you count when I played and things like yeah. that. But yeah, I mean, I, this is this is where home's at. This is where the family's at. You know, my dad's still here and, uh, um, you know, friends and a lot of old, you know, friends from high school and everybody still hang out with those guys. And yeah, born and raised here. So you played at Cleveland state and then we ended up, you know, playing professionally for the Indians. If you could, if you could go back in time to your career, what, like knowing everything, you know, now what, what would you do different? 
What would I do different? Well, that's a great one. Um, it's, it's tough because I, I don't think you could really go back and do anything different because you learn along the way. Um, I think it all depends on your personality and your work ethic. Um, everybody feels like they could have done something maybe better performance wise, but as far as preparation and trying to get better and doing the things um, that you have control of, you know, I was really lucky to have a lot of good people around me steering me into, into good directions um, in terms of like <clears throat> trying to, trying to get better. Um, we didn't necessarily have all the knowledge we have today in terms of like the sports science and, and, you know, how the body moves and, and, you know, just the resources like the internet and whatnot, you can, you can search anything you want today. We didn't have that back then. Um, if we did, I'm sure I'd be one of those guys that would try, was trying to, you know, take advantage of it. I don't know. I don't know about what I would change. That's like a super tough question. I'm sure, you know, even for yourself, what would you change? Yeah. You know, and, uh, but I mean, I'm really proud of the work I put in. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you do the best you can and you try to learn from your mistakes along the way. And I think those mistakes help shape you and learning from those mistakes help get you better. So I'd ne I never have any regrets as far as like making mistakes because you learn from those. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, what did you learn though throughout your your career like as you were playing as you were going i'm sure you know like every other baseball player you fail and you if you have some self-awareness you get better from that what what did you learn throughout your career um well you learn that everybody's a little bit different personality wise you know you learn how to how to you know deal with different personalities on a team you learn how to be a good teammate um you learn when you're not being a good teammate um and, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the things that um, players focus on, you know, in terms of results and things like that, some of those things are out of their control. You know, you have a good at bat and, you know, you smoke the ball and, and they make a diving play and you're out. You know, I guess learning how to deal with those types of things, um, that's huge for players. And it was big for me. Uh, when I became a coach to help players understand how to not accept failure, but, but just understand that that's a part of the game. Um, you know, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be bad. <laughs> you know, you're going to be a bad player sometimes. And it's not necessarily always in your control when, when things go south. And I think understanding that, is, is one of the big things players can learn. And one thing that I've learned. Were, did, were you able to later on in your career deal with failure better because of that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think one thing, just, just getting older and, and, you know, becoming a little more mature. Um, the more experience you have at anything, yeah. you get better at that. I didn't have a long playing career um, in the minor leagues. I played a few years, 
Um, you know, I was kind of a filler backup catcher. Um, had to work my tail off to, to even make teams type of, type of a guy. So I think I might have taken, taken those failures a little more harsh because I felt like they were, they were so heavy. You know, it was like I get, you get an opportunity to play and I got to make the most of it. And if you don't, it's the end of the world. I think, you know, players, players go through that and, you know, everyday players have to understand, hey, there's, there's another game tomorrow. You're going to have another four at-bats the next day after that. And before you know it, you think back four games ago, it's hard to even remember what, what happened four games ago. You know what I mean? Because you, you play every day. And, uh, you know, a, as a player that was more of a backup that, that played sparingly, it was I, I think I took those opportunities a little more heavy than maybe I should have. And I learned along the way how to how to deal with that. And then eventually, you know, you're done playing, obviously. Right. But um, I think that's that's one of the things that I would say. How, how would you go about getting a player to understand what you just talked about of dealing with failure and knowing that you're going to have a game tomorrow, you're going to have a bats tomorrow? Because usually what ends up happening with some guys is it's at that domino effect. Where it's like, yeah, well, maybe I might get released tomorrow. Maybe I won't be starting tomorrow. And it's just like, I don't know, it's like, dude, like calm down. Like it's it's all right. It seems that there's really no – like you just try these two to three things and, and they'll understand failure better. It seems as if it's, it has, it's more of a process. It takes time. And for some guys, they really, unfortunately, they never get it. And I think that's how we, that's why some guys just never make it. Yeah. It's, it's really complex. I mean, the mental game is, is so complex and getting them to realize that it, it all comes from a good place. They all have these worries and, anxieties because they want to do well, you know, for, for whatever their reason is, it comes from a good place. They care, you know, they, they want to either help their team win. They want to, you know, help their family, whatever the case may be, it comes from a good place and you help them to realize that. And you have to try to help them channel that, that energy or, or that, that good source into their process. And, um, a lot of them have, have a good process and then they, they tend to forget to trust that process. Um, they, they either, um, put too much weight like I did into the results, um, which every player at, at times does that. But once players feel, I guess, I don't know if accepted is the right word. I mean, every player kind of it's almost like, do I belong? You know, I don't care how good a player is. There's always that little bit of doubt when they come up to another level, you know, you're going to be at Delmarva this season in, in single A. You're going to have players that, you know, came up to that level and they're going to wonder like, do I belong here? Right. And you're also going to have players that have already played at that level and probably feel like they, they should be somewhere else. They might have that chip on their shoulder, but when those players get there and they have that little bit of doubt, it's like, that's, that's one of the, that's one of the killers of, of, you know, careers is just self doubt or 
insecurities, um, and that can manifest into, you know, putting too much into results. Um, it, it's a it's a complex thing, and, and there's not one way to have a conversation with a player about those. You have to earn the trust of the player. Um, you have to have a good relationship with the player to have those conversations. Um, once they really believe and understand how much coaches like yourself care about them and their career um, and that you are with them on the field, you're with them in the box, you're pulling for them, it makes it easier. You know what I mean? Because you have those self-doubts or those insecurities and you feel alone out on the field. That's, that's when it's like freak out time for some of those guys, um, which I'm sure you've seen. But yeah, it's a complex thing, man. I mean, <laughs> dealing with failure that I guess, guess cliche, how do you deal with fa failure type of question? It's like, you know, everybody has their own way. And I, I, I think it, it's an it's a insecurity, um, confidence, uh, self-confidence, self-esteem, trusting your work, uh, you know, understanding how, how the work is going to play out over time, you know, not just in one day or one, one at bat, but it's a long process. And sometimes they don't have the foresight to, to trust that. And they want it now, um, which is fine. Like I said, it comes from a good place that they want it now, but as if that interferes with their performance, then we have to, you know, find a better way to think about what's going on. You know, do you think we see that more in professional baseball, especially you, you've been in professional baseball a lot longer than I have, but you see that more because that's a byproduct of at the amateur level, having to needing the results now, right? Where I feel like professional baseball, it's more process oriented. Whereas in amateur baseball, it's about results right now because kids are trying to get scholarships right now. They're trying to get, ranked right now or drafted or whatever it is and i wonder if that's you know that kind of trickles up as they get into professional baseball because they're oh they're so used to like they have to have the results right now so i wonder if it's really back is it backwards i mean if anything yeah that's a good way of putting it it's um and it's not even necessarily always like that for amateurs you know when we draft players there are some players that get drafted and it's like whoa, you know, he didn't have a very good senior year. Why did he get drafted? And this guy raked or he, yeah. he dealt and he didn't get drafted. He's such a good, his record his senior year in college was this, and this guy's was only this, but he got drafted. And there is um, that element of, you know, we have, we have to, we have to forecast what these players are going to be. You know, we have to we have to grade out some tools that they do have, not necessarily how they performed, so to speak, but how they potentially could perform in the major leagues. Um, so that's that's not always the case. But I know what you mean. Um, I guess maybe I'm maybe I'm referring more to more to uh, of getting scholarships. Maybe it just seems like to me like the, there's the obsession on exit velocity. There's the obsession. On oh, the I see. Basis. There's the obsession on like you know you have to be good right now. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those measured things that, that are here today, like, you know, and all the showcases, like 
you know, I don't have to name them, but there's so many different organizations that are trying to collect data for colleges. Um, and they put a lot of stock into those numbers, right? And if you don't have this exit velocity, you're out. It's like they eliminate you. Or if you don't, if you don't throw this hard, you're out. Where, I mean, I personally don't think that's fair. I mean, there's, there's so many good players that, that can potentially build those things and they're good baseball players. And, you know, even some of the ways that they measure those things, like off of a tee, it's like, it's like, this is, we don't play T-ball, you know, it's or, like, a lo- or lobbing just BP in there. I mean, just lobbing it. I mean, it's just, right. yeah. You or know, or like, a, they, go ahead. Pull down, like a pull down, you know, it's like into, you know, it's like they're running as fast as they can. And then th- that's their velocity. It's like, well, can he pitch, you know, to, you know, does he have, uh, does he have the ability to, to put a, put a sequence together? Does he have any sense of what's going on um, on the mound other than just how fast his arm moves, you know? What do you look for? I mean, I know you're, you're in the scouting side. Um, I don't think I've actually asked, are you pro scouting or amateur? Uh, pro, but we, I mean, we, we all kind of cross into all the different realms. Like I've, I've helped out with some amateur, some international pro, um, but, but technically I'm on the pro scouting side, but we do it all. So, so what are you looking for when you're, I guess we'll just start amateur baseball right now. What are you looking for? And I think I've thought about this before we talk about some of the showcases, it'd be so valuable to have someone like yourself who has all this experience in professional baseball and in scouting actually be the one doing these events and grading these players because you have, you're not just going to do it solely just based off of numbers. It's going to be, you know, are you a baseball player? There's other things that go into it, but I guess just going back to my question, I mean, what, what are you looking for when it comes to just scouting amateur players? I know that's an extremely broad question, but I'm just curious to where, where you, your mind goes to that. You know, I mean, obviously you, you start with tools. I mean, players have to have tools. You start with that. And I think, um, you know, we were just talking about with the, with the different statistics and data and measurements, you know, that's where some of the people start. Um, with their tool assessment. Um, so you do have to have tools, but a big tool is makeup, you know, willingness and the ability to make adjustments, um, you know, feel for the game. The tools part show up. That's kind of the easy thing to see. The makeup takes a lot more digging um, you know, you can have some tools, you can have bat speed, arm speed, whatever, you know, quickness, but if you're not a good teammate, if you're not a guy that's willing to accept a challenge and you kind of avoid them because it might, you might risk your status of being good. If you don't succeed in that challenge, you know, those are, those are some of the things that we try to dig for and, and, and find out about the person because if you're a, if you're a guy that's willing to work hard and you understand that that work will ultimately help you to get better, there's no guarantees, right? But if you start with a guy that has some tools and he's willing to try to make those better, 
Like he's not just accepting how good he is right now and everybody should love him. And he, he almost like takes a, takes the approach where he has to keep trying to get better, right? No matter how good he gets, those are the types of players we're looking for because they're going to ultimately become really good because the game is so hard, especially at the highest level. I mean, you get, you get to the major league baseball, you have to be able to make adjustments. You have to be able to, um, you know, assess what's going on in a, in a productive way. You have to be a good teammate. It's about winning in the major leagues. You know, it is about production. Um, but having, having a good head on your shoulders um, is one of those things that we look for, for sure. Obviously the tools, like I said, we're looking for those, but makeup is a big, big part of it. Do you think that the makeup has been emphasized more for you to look at because of all the data and analysis, like you, you know, whether someone has tools now, it's not really a guessing game anymore. So it, it now is, like you said, mentioned, it's about makeup now. So you, do you feel that it's been emphasized even more lately because you already know about the tools? Yeah, it, possibly that is the reason, you know, everybody is, everybody gets the same information when it comes to those things, like you just said. So if you're going to have an edge, you know, where are you going to find that edge? You know, you have to find out who, who the guys, because ultimately we're betting on people um, and their ability to get better, you know, because, you know, those guys in the major leagues, they're not, there's no graduation to this. There's no diploma to um, being a good baseball player. Okay. I graduated and I'm good. I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to, you know, practice. Major league players, they're, they're working their tails off. That's when, that's when the real work starts. You know, you get to that level, you, you want to stay and you want to help your team win. You have to keep grinding, keep working. Um, so that's where the edge is. It's not just seeing who can run fast. That's easy. You know, find out who can run fast and who wants to try to get faster, you know, and why. And, um, do they know how to use their speed? You know, do they, do they run hard down the first baseline, you know, when the game's not on the line, you know, just, just because that could potentially lead to some game winning moments for their team. You know, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it, it's so complex and it goes so deep. Everybody's trying to find an edge. Everybody's trying to find, you know, why a player is going to be good in the future. And I, I think we do a pretty good job um, trying to identify the person that could become that, you know, because when you draft a player, you, you look at an amateur player, you know, he's 17 years old or whatever, 18. It's not who is going to be in the major. That's not who's going to be in the major leagues, you know, as far as the, the, the talent and all that stuff, but the person is, is a good starting point. Is that kid one that's willing to accept a challenge or, you know, for example, if you, if you want to throw him into a batting cage and it's, and it's thrown, there's a machine throwing some velocity, right. And he's either afraid to get in there because he might look bad or he doesn't care if he looks bad. He wants to figure that thing out. You know, he might swing and miss the first five, six, seven times, 
And then he wants to get back in there because he wants to figure it out and get it. Whereas another player might just say, screw that. I don't want to look bad. That's, that's, that's a telling moment for some, some of these guys, you know, when it comes to uh, if they can develop into major league players or not, don't get me wrong. There are some players that have that mindset that have a lot of ability and, and they overcome those things. And they, they're really good major league players, but if we're going to bet on a person, we, we want to start with that. And it's a better bet, so to speak from, from the get go. I, I don't know if you, if you watch the uh, 30 for 30 of Bo Jackson on ESPN, I haven't seen that one yet. No, I'm okay. looking forward to that one. Yet. Yeah, yeah, I want you watch that. There's a part in the documentary where uh, Bo Jackson he he tells the story of a scout who came to to watch him play. You're gonna like this, and he's in a batting cage just at his high school, and he takes again. This is his words. He takes one swing. And the entire cage falls down because he hit it so hard. The scout, he says, goes, the scout leaves, goes back into his car and drives away and they end up, I think, just drafting whatever. I guess what I'm what I'm asking is, has there ever been a moment for you as a, as a scout where you're like, you're all in on a player? I mean, maybe probably nothing like that where you just want to swing the whole batting cage falls down and then, um, you know, that's it. But has there ever been a point where you've only needed to see one game of a position player or one outing from a pitcher and be like, I I'm, I'm completely sold. I have not had a moment like that. I mean, I, I wish it was that easy. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had, yeah. I wish I had the confidence in my, in my ability to see that, you know, like, Oh, that's, you know, got it. You know, that's a Bo Jackson right there. I, I wish it was that easy. I don't have, I don't have a moment like that. Um, as a coach though, there are players when you get to know them and you probably know this too, when you get to know a guy over the course of, you know, a season and it's day to day and you're getting to know the ins and outs of that person. Now we already have that player and he's in our organization and, and uh, we're trying to develop them. But when, when you have some of those guys and you see what they're all about and you see their abilities and those are the, those are the moments where it's like, Ooh, this guy could, he could end up being pretty good, you know, down the road when you get to know him. Now, obviously you don't have that luxury as a scout to get in, get to know a, a high school kid in that depth. But, you know, as a coach, you know, you get to know some of these guys and it's like, Hey, this guy's kind of got the right idea about how to go about it. And he's got some ability. The results might not be there yet, but I think, he's got a chance, you know, he's got a better chance than most because of these things, you know. I, I know that you're on social media and, uh, you know, you put out some really good content. I've enjoyed following you lately. I hope you are able to still do that during season, although I'm sure you're going to be really busy, but what do you see? I mean, do you think that we're as a, you know, baseball world focused too much on, mechanics and not enough on playing the game and approach. And I, do you think that's what's really missing at the younger levels? Definitely. You know, the, the part that you just brought up as far as mechanics oriented um, thoughts, that's, that's getting way out of hand in my opinion. I mean, there's so much more to the game than mechanics. And I think the players are getting, sucked into that a little bit too much. There's so many variables 
to, you know, let's just talk about hitting. I mean, you've seen players with really good swings, right? And they can't hit. And you've seen players where their swings aren't mechanically ideal, but they hit. Um, will those players that aren't mechanically ideal have the best chance in the major leagues? Maybe not, but but they do have something that that other player doesn't. And that there's something with their reaction time, their visual perception, you know, all, all these things that, that are beyond mechanics um, that uh, players tend to forget about, you know, their, their approach and how their, how their mind can affect their mechanics, how, how their, how their intentions and their intent in the box can affect whether they're ready to hit or not, you know, and the mechanics are what we see, right? Like if we're at a stadium and we're sitting in stands and we see a player having an at-bat, we see the results of what's going on in here through the mechanics of the swing and does he hit the ball and all that stuff. But it all starts in, in the mind and uh, with their intent and their approach and all that stuff. The, the visual part of it, some of those things that, I mean, are those things able to be improved to the point where they, they become, you know, great major league hitters? I don't, I don't know. I'm not that smart, you know, when it comes to that. Yeah. But I do know that that exists and it's not, the answer isn't always mechanical. It's not like, oh, if he would have just done this with his elbow or whatever, it's like, no, that's not it, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. Now, mechanics are a part of it, but it is definitely getting, getting out of hand, especially with the younger kids. I think, you know, as far as like younger kid development and um, players in high school and even before high school, I think playing other sports is, is big. Um, I think there's too much specialized uh, attention to one sport or even one position within one sport, um, you know, let, let these kids play other sports, you know, whatever it may be, there's no right or wrong sport to play uh, other than, other than baseball, if you want to play baseball, but um, you know, just developing that athleticism, um, you know, a different environment, different types of coaching, different styles of coaching, you know, there's some sports that are more, you know, hyped up than others and there's you know golf is super mellow it's another sport you could play though you know bowling i don't know yeah. you know it's not always the traditional like hey he plays football and basketball and, but but yeah athleticism is big and you know a good way to develop that is to play other things um as far as like social media goes i mean that's that's the easy thing to look at on social media mechanics. You know, that's, that's what you can show on a video and that's what you can talk about and show this angle and that angle and this and that. So it's, that's kind of an easy thing to, to gravitate to when it comes to social media or, you know, talking in public about hitting or pitching. Um, it, it's tougher to illustrate an idea or a thought when it comes to the mental game, 
or an approach or how, how the mind can affect the body in, in a productive or unproductive way. Um, some do a really good job talking about that. Um, some don't even attempt it, you know, or don't even acknowledge it. It's all mechanics, you know, and I, I don't think that's fair for players to, to read and buy into. Yeah. I had, when I had Ian Happ on the podcast, um, he, he talked a little bit about how, and he's a smart, he's a smart guy. He really does know his swing extremely well. And he studies, he, he's very smart. He was saying one time, he's like, dude, I I've tried to go up to the plate and think about like getting, I think he was talking about getting into his hit more and, and rotating. He's like, can't do it. Can't do it. Can't hit 95 with movement plus other off speed. Like you just can't. And I mean, he, he's so right. And I, even the other day I was out just throwing some batting practice and I was working on something with my arm and thinking about my arm when I was throwing can't do it. I mean, and I'm throwing to a high school kid, much less hitting in front of 40,000 people. So I a hundred percent on board with what you're talking about. I think sometimes as coaches and maybe you've experienced this too, because you're there, you think you need to coach, which sometimes means you need to talk. And a lot of times it's, you're really just there if, if they, to help guide them, you know, not to really force anything upon them. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, <clears throat> what you just said is really smart. And uh, that's one of the toughest things for coaches to learn is when not to coach, when not to say anything. Um, and it's most of the time. The, the more we're saying, sometimes the more we're getting in the way of them getting better. You know, we have to let them figure it out. We have to guide them, um, let them find their way and also just be there for them when they're, when they're maybe veering off track a little bit, try to get them back on track, but we can't do it for them. We can't learn things for them. You know, they don't like, here's an extreme example. If we have, um, player A and player B and player A and they're both the same ability, right? And they both need to get a lot better to play in the major leagues. Player A, all we do for an entire season is talk to him, right? And tell him what to do and tell him how he's got to do it and tell him what he should feel. And he never really does it. But we keep telling, telling him all these words. Now that's extreme. And then this player over here, we don't tell him anything. He's got a better chance of getting better, right, than the guy that doesn't actually do anything. You know, maybe he's getting all this wisdom and he's gaining knowledge in his brain. But we're talking about athleticism, movement patterns, swinging, throwing, like doing physical activities that you're, you're, you're trying to learn. These are like... This is motor learning, not just cognitive learning. Um, so the more we're talking to players, the more we intervene, um, you know, a lot of times we get in the way of them. We might trip up their, their process of, of learning. It's tough to learn that as a coach because you want to, you want to prove your value, I guess. You want to, you know, earn your, earn your money so to speak yeah, yeah you know if you're not saying anything are you valuable you know those are things that you have to learn along the way 
and always kind of think back to your own, you know, career, your own, uh, you know, experiences as a player. When did you get better? You know, I guess the way to ask it would be like, where were the moments where you really got better? Was it when you were trying to figure things out on your own and you're grinding it out and you're trying to do different things with the bat or, or different pitches, whatever it is, or was it when a coach was telling you like what you need to do? There are times where you take those words and those pieces of advice and you, you try to apply them. Absolutely. But we have to always remember that the players need to learn these things in a way that they can recall it when they need it on the field. And if we are giving them the answer all the time, like, oh, you did this after a swing. Oh, you did this. Don't do that. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that. Instead of us telling them those things, if they're telling themselves those things, like, oh, I felt that. or uh, You kind of see those faces they're making, like, you know, that's where they're learning and that's where they can ultimately apply it on the field. Not that they're going to cognitively think about those things or like consciously put those thoughts together in the box. Like Ian Happ was talking about, I can't think about my hip, right? Well, there's a time to try to feel that when you're working on it to try to develop a, a habit. But he learned that because he tried it. It doesn't work for him. He can't think about his hip. He knows that now. He went through that experience, right? Um, and that's what they have to do. They have to go through it and try things and, and learn, learn on their own. You know, I, you, you really, yeah, hit the head on the nail there. And I, that actually brings me, makes me think of a time when, cause you, you know, you had said, you know, when, when did you get better? And I know you were just asking that question out loud, but I thought to myself, like, I got better actually when I was went oh for 27 my senior year and was gripping the bat so tight and then literally went up to the plate was like I don't even care anymore I'm hitting 120 I'm going to be so relaxed and loose and just started raking from there and from that point on I just kept being that nice and relaxed and loose and it was from that experience and it was like it was from trying so many different things and um you know, when you were struggling. So I think that's a great point right there of you, a lot of it is just figuring it out on your own. And I know that's not the answer people want because they want it right now. And I get it. I've been there too, but that's, I think that's really good advice you just gave about that, about figuring it out on your own a little bit. That's good. And it's, I mean, it, it's a little more powerful too. When, when you figure something out on your own, when you learn something, when you figure it out, like, Hey, if I have to loosen up a little bit, that, that kind of helps me that's so much more powerful than if a coach tells you, Hey, loosen up a little bit. You, you just don't, you may trust it. You may trust your coach. You may do it. Right. But that level of uh, that, that depth of trust in that little adjustment is so much more powerful when it comes from you. Right. And, and you feel something and, and it's like, there's it's something clicks. Right. And it's, and it's coming from you and you're more willing to do it almost, you know, <laughs> I guess it's kind of, um, it's kind of a weird thing because so many, there's so many good coaches out there, you know, like yourself and they all care and it all comes from a good place, you know, from, from coaches, they all want the players to get better and they want to help them and they want to, you know, help them through their experiences and whatnot. And, 
you know, be there for them. Um, so you don't want to say like coaches, coaches are not useless by any means. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Coaches, like you said, like you put it in a, in a good way, like they're there to guide them. Right. Even the word coach, I read this somewhere, like the word coach kind of comes from like, uh, like a coach that is on wheels, like a stage coach, like it takes you somewhere, right? Like a coach is actually like a vessel that helps to take you somewhere that guides you somewhere. It, it doesn't do it for you. You know, it's just kind of a, a vehicle that helps you get somewhere. Um, so they are important. Coaches are important, but the biggest thing that they can learn is when to let the player, um, spread his wings out and figure out how to fly on his own, you know? Yeah. You can't, you can't make someone want to get better, want to work. I mean, at least in my experience, I, mean, I have been doing it. I've been doing it for four or five years now, but not terribly long. I haven't been able to, to figure that. I mean, I feel like the players who want it and are hungry and want to work and want to get better. Those are the ones who usually get better. And I just, I haven't been able to find a way to, to get those guys who, aren't the ones who always want extra work to want extra work. Um, have you been able to, or is that just, you felt the same thing? Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with their mindset and getting them to um, have some awareness to what you're talking about. When, when players are aware of why maybe they don't want to work um, or why they don't, you know, accept a challenge when it comes to making an adjustment, that's going to be an uncomfortable thing. They might fail. They might feel like they look stupid. Um, a lot of those things come from a place that keeps them from getting better. Right. And, and to us, it might look like, Oh, he, he doesn't want to work. Uh, he's lazy. He doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't care. Well, when we start to find out why for an individual, you know, for example, like maybe this guy is just, maybe he doesn't want to be exposed and not know what to work on. <clears throat> so he just kind of just sits back in the, in the shadows and stays away from it. He just, he doesn't want to deal with that um, situation of, of maybe being exposed and not, and, and looking dumb. Right. Um, he, he doesn't know how to practice. He doesn't know what he's actually trying to get better at. So he just says like, oh, I just want to go off my feel and I'll, you know, if I get two hits tonight, I'll be okay. Because the fear of looking dumb, working on something or, or actually trying to make an adjustment to get better, that's far more powerful for that player than, you know, actually doing that. So, so getting them to realize that helps to open them up to work. Like, Hey, I understand you might be afraid, you know, you might be afraid of looking dumb. Like you have to really make it safe for the guys in there. You know, as a coach, you have to make looking dumb, feeling silly and awkward and weird. You have to make that safe. And, um, you have to try to get them to embrace that somehow. Um, that's an environment that is hard to create and you're never going to get everybody. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not like, it's not an easy thing to do, but the more players that you can get on board with 
you know, the, the willingness to feel dumb or look dumb or look silly for the purpose of improvement, right? That's when you start to get some of those guys to step up and work. And they're not, they're not lazy guys. They're just afraid of the work. You know, they're afraid of looking dumb. They're afraid of failing tonight with a different setup or a different feel in their hip, whatever it, you know, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, there's not one conversation you can have with one type of player that, you know, is kind of labeled as a non-worker, but you'd be surprised that, you know, once you start to dig and kind of find a, find a reason why they don't want to work. Um, I had a player, I won't name any names, but I had a player, I mean, he, he never hit in the minor league. He didn't hit in the minor leagues at all. Wasn't very good. And had him um, at a level, I won't even give real specifics because I, I don't want to give things away. Um, but he never really worked at what he was doing. He was kind of labeled as being a lazy guy as far as working on his offense. And he told me, he's like, Jimmy, I just, for one, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't know what to work on. And two, I know that even if I work at this, I'm still going to stink in the game. I'm not going to be good. Um, so it's like, I feel like I'm kind of saving my energy because it's not really worth it. He didn't see himself ever getting better. He didn't have that vision of, okay, this process and this work is going to help me to improve. It is what it is. I'm, I'm as good as I'm going to get. So why should I even work? Right. That was kind of the mindset. He also told me like, I, I was, his confidence was so down. Like it was, he didn't want to have the last about of a game because he knew he would make it out. Right. And end the game. And he just didn't want that experience. I mean, he was like down low, low. And I mean, this player plays in the major leagues now and he's a productive player. But once he started to see value in the work, once we understood why he wasn't working, he wasn't just a lazy person. He, he didn't see the value in it and he was afraid of it. And that's where you can start to open up some of these players and, and you see them start to take steps that they never took before. That's, those are like some of the most enjoyable, you know, satisfying moments as, as a coach, what we do. And once they see the value in something, then they really take those steps. But if they don't, you know, they won't. Wow. That's, I, I appreciate you sharing that. That was, that's extremely valuable. And it's, I, I, I mean, I forget that at times. So I appreciate, I mean, that's, that's really good stuff. And it's really important for coaches listening to this to hear for me to hear really too. Um, so again, I appreciate you sharing that. That was, that was a really good insightful. And I, and I think the only reason he probably even opened up to you was just because you, he had trust, you know, he trusted you and he had, you had built that relationship too. And I think that's, you know, kind of cool that he even shared that with you to begin with really. Yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky and, we, you know, we did have a good relationship and we had some years to, to develop that and it takes time. And, you know, just like anything else, 
as soon as as soon as you you are in it for yourself or something as soon as they see any inkling of that they shut you out because and it doesn't even matter if it's baseball or any you know any profession you know selfish people with an agenda just don't necessarily gain people's trust you know (laughs) so so you can't be that you know you can't do that and uh yeah i think yeah we we did have a good relationship and and you know i was lucky to 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 have them open up like that but um it's um it it's really it's really fun to see some of those things happen as you know when you see players get better the confidence comes along with it you know it's like that question what comes first success or confidence um and I know that confidence comes before the success because you gain the confidence through the work. You know, you gain, you gain the confidence through preparation. You know, it's like if, if you're going to do a, a presentation and you don't prepare at all, you're not going to be very confident in that presentation, right? If you prepare and you know the material and you're going to, you're going to, do this and that, and you have everything kind of lined up, you're very confident going in and then you have success. You don't just go out there and wing a presentation, have success at that presentation. And then, okay, now you're good. You know what I mean? It takes work and preparation and, and, and effort. And once those things are, are set up and, and you start to develop a process with, with those ideas, confidence just kind of comes along with it because Hey, I can do this. I, I've been doing that. I, I, I've prepared. I, I know this guy. Um, and then you, you have a little success along the way and, and, and they kind of, they kind of, you start that snowball a little bit, right? That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. That's really good. Really good. Jim, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, I guess the last thing I'll, I will ask is, like what have you been reading or looking at lately or you know there's people out there listening they they want to know they want to stay up to date on 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 things that that successful coaches like yourself are doing so like is there anything you've been reading or looking at or listening to outside of of course this podcast um that you'd be willing to share um so the last the last thing i read was a book called super forecasting um, that has to do with like some scouting stuff and, and whatnot and um, what basically the best predictors in the world, you know, how they look at situations. So that, that's a really good one. Um, the, the author's name is, is on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it right now, but super forecasting. Um, you know, I, I try to look at everything, you know, you know I, I follow so many different people online I try to take every um, every post or, or tweet or whatever you want to look at and and really think about it. You know, nobody nobody has all the answers. No book has all the answers. Um, I think you have to collect as much information as you can um, from different viewpoints too different mechanical philosophies, different philosophies in any part of the game. 
and really understand all of it because it'll help you to understand your own even deeper. And you may change your, your own and that's okay. You know, that's how you improve. It's, you know, I think you, you asked a question earlier or, you know, what, what would help our youth, right, to, in player development. And I think it's just more of a willingness to learn, um, more of a willingness to make adjustments and admit when you might be wrong, you know? Instead of trying to prove your point of view or your way, you know, learn something about the other point of view and be willing to admit maybe you, you could get better at that, you know, or maybe you weren't right, you know, or maybe nobody's right. Maybe everybody's right. You know, I'm getting kind of deep here, but there's not one way of doing it all. So just try to get as much information as you can. And you might apply one thing to one player and another thing to another player. And those things might work for, for this guy, but not this guy. And um, I think it's try to get as many tools in your toolbox as you can, you know, for all the different personalities and different player types you'll have. I appreciate it too. Thanks, Patrick. I really, I really did enjoy it.